Well, good morning, River Church family. I'm excited to be with you again today. This is the day the Lord has made. The Bible says, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God's going to do some great things. Would you just repeat this after me? God, I believe you're going to do something great in me today. Amen. Do you believe that? I believe that. I'm looking forward to hearing what God does great in your life today as we dive into his word and continue on with our service. Lynn, would you care to open us up? All right. Today I have a verse from Isaiah 43, 19, and it says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And to me, that's so encouraging because even right now in the midst of chaos and confusion and what's going on in our world today, he's going to do something new, just like Tyson said. So I'm excited to hear the message today. Just a few announcements before we jump into prayer. Um, this coming Tuesday, we have Tacos and Trivia live on Facebook at 6 o'clock. Gather your family around the table, make some tacos, and we will have a great time. We will be on Zoom, and we will put that out in both church email and on Facebook. So I hope you'll join us then. Then also, right after Tacos and Trivia, we'll be having um, devotions and prayer on Tuesday and Thursday. And then on Wednesday night, Pastor Tyson will have Bible study at 8.30. So... We hope that you'll join us for all of those things. Um, also, we want to remind you to continue to give either online or at theriverlapel.com, or you can send your payment or your um, tithe to P.O. Box 1008 Lapel, Indiana. So if you need that again, just contact us and we'll get back with you. All right, let's go ahead and pray as we um, begin our service. God, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that for your power that's so evident at work in our world right now. I pray, God, that you would heal those that need healed. I pray that you would um, surround those that need comforted, Lord. We thank you for who you are in our lives. I pray that as we hear the word today, that you would just come in and be in our midst, Father. We thank you that you love us and that you're going to open our ears to hear from you today. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in your name. Amen. Well, I just want to dive right into the word this morning. If you've got your Bibles or an app or phone or, or whatever you're looking on, maybe a website, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to look at the calling of Matthew. This is such a powerful story that I think unless we put the two things together that we're going to put together today, you miss out a lot on Matthew's story. And so Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, and then if you want to kind of put your finger there or hold that place, and later we'll turn over to Luke chapter 5. Matthew's story is like a puzzle, and both Matthew and Luke record the calling that Jesus gave him when Jesus walked out and said, hey, come follow me. So we're going to look at those pieces of the puzzle, if you will. We're going to put that puzzle piece together. I think it's going to inspire you. 
I know you're going to be motivated. And more importantly, I know that God is going to call you to a higher place and a closer place in him today because of this message. In Matthew chapter 9, he writes, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. As Jesus is walking along, by now Jesus has built himself a reputation as a masterful rabbi. Rabbi is simply a Jewish, Jewish term for teacher. And so he's built up this following. He's, he's garnered a name for himself. And in those days, the tax collectors might sit at a city gate or someplace in public, maybe at the temple here in Jerusalem. And Jesus comes walking by. People are following behind. And he gets to Matthew's booth. And he looks at Matthew and he says, Matthew, come follow me. Well, here's what we know about Matthew. That when he encounters Jesus, he's doing something that you do, that I do, that your neighbors do next to you and your co-workers, even our children do. Matthew was sitting in what he was. He was sitting there as a tax collector. He was allowing his job to define him. How many of us, when we introduce ourselves, the first thing we say when we say, tell us a little, about, a little bit about yourself, how many of us immediately go to what we do or where we work or our job title? We allow what we do to define us. And God has never intended from day one that what we do should define us. And yet, here's Matthew sitting as a tax collector, being defined by what he's done and what he did. But Jesus walks up to him and says, Matthew, follow me. In other words, Matthew, get out of that place where you're defining yourself based on your failure. Matthew, get up out of that place where you're not liked by anyone. Get up out of that place where you don't belong because your past has dictated where you are today. Matthew, it's time to rise up out of that. It's time to step out of being a tax collector. It's time to rise up from being a sinner. I'm calling you to more. I'm calling you to go further and farther with me, Matthew, than you ever dreamed possible. Would you possibly consider, Matthew, walking away from the past that's defined you? Because that's what Jesus is asking of Matthew. And I believe that's what Jesus is asking of you today. It's what Jesus is asking of myself. He's asking of every human that's ever lived, every human that's living now, and every human that will live in the future. Will you stop allowing your past to define you? Would you quit wallowing in the past? Would you stand up and rise up from it? Because I'm calling you to more. That's what Jesus is calling Matthew from 
it's likely that Matthew, who wrote Matthew of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's likely, in fact, we know that Matthew was not his real name. Matthew was a given name. Let me show you what I mean. Let's turn to the same story. If you've got your finger uh, at Luke chapter 5, in Luke chapter 5, we're just going to read the same story, but we're going to read two verses from it and not the entire story. So Luke records the calling of Matthew. Now here's why you may not put them together. Let's read it. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Now, why might you not put these two stories together? Well, Matthew calls himself Matthew. Luke calls Matthew Levi. And for the next few minutes, we're going to dive into why does Matthew have two names? Well, it's likely that Levi was his real name. Now, let's kind of understand how the naming convention works in that culture and in that day. It was very common for parents to name their child after someone in the family who had the same name. For example, if you think back to Luke chapter 1, verse 61, where Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, went into the temple, saw an angel, and the angel said, you will call him John, and John the Baptist is born, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, what are we going to name, what are we going to name him? And the Bible says that Zechariah said, we will call him John. But in Luke 1, 61, Everybody says, but Zechariah, there, there's nobody in your family named John. Why should we call him John? And Zechariah then goes on to explain that. So there's an example in that culture that you would name your child after somebody in your family, a blood relative who has done very either very well for themselves, is seen as a contributor to society, who say, volunteers, helps others. It's kind of put on a pedestal of sorts in some form or another that the family looks up to. And so it's common that you should name your child after someone in the family. And keep in mind, they have lineages going back thousands of years, so they have lots of different names to choose from in that family. So with Luke calling him Levi... It's very likely that his real name is Levi. Now, why the two names? Well, also in that culture, and I'm going to give you another example as well, but in that culture, it's very common that you would have multiple names, depending on the crowd you're around, depending on who you're running with. One crowd might call you one thing. One crowd might call you something else. Let me give you an example. Peter right? Peter in the Bible, Peter the disciple, the Peter who walked on the water, Peter who was quick to put his foot in his mouth, <laughs> something I am sure that all of us can relate to at some point or another. Peter was called Peter, Peter was called Cephas, and Peter was also called Simon. And depending on the group of people he was with, 
Well, that was his name. Now, we know that our Lord called him Peter, meaning rock. The Greek word Petros, right? The rock. And so Peter was called the rock. Jesus even said, upon this rock or on this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, will not stop it. We do that even today in our culture, depending on who you're running with, you might have a different name. So let me just use myself as an example. My name is Tyson. Most people call me Tyson. My family calls me Ty. And just in junior high, I had a really bad basketball practice one time in junior high. I couldn't catch a pass to save my life. I don't know what was going on. And it was difficult. And so one of the better ball players on the team nicknamed me Butterfinger because of that practice. Well, <laughs> what do you think happened the rest of the season? My nickname was Butterfinger, right? Because I had a horrible practice. To this day, I remember that practice, and I'm like, don't ever have a practice like that again. And so the team knew me for the rest of the season in seventh grade as Butterfinger. It wasn't Ty or Tyson. It was Butterfinger. Hey, Butterfinger. That was my call sign, right, if you're a pilot, Butterfinger. Let me give you another example, um, and that is when I would play basketball and there would be times that I was the only uh, quote-unquote white person in the gym or on the bus, on the team bus coming home, and my name got changed from Tyson in that setting to Tyrone. And so my nickname, my nickname was Tyrone. Um, and they told me, hey, you're just like a brother, so we're going to call you Tyrone. I'm like, well, okay, right? Uh, look, one more. I, I, had a, I have some close friends growing up, and they were like uh, family to me. And I've never let this cat out of the bag, so this is kind of the first time. So I know like lots of people are going to hear this, but I'm okay with that. Hopefully I've outgrown it. So I'm with them one night, we're watching a TV show, and they, somebody said something on a TV show, and my friend's dad started laughing. I'm like, what are you laughing at? And he goes, that's you. And I said, what? He goes, doodlebug. You're a doodlebug. I said, what? He goes, yeah, doodlebug. And to this day, just a few months ago, we stayed in touch on Facebook, and basically some, she's somewhat like my, my second mom growing up. She goes, hey, doodlebug, all over Facebook. I'm like, no, not doodlebug, right? So it's very common in our society that you get these different nicknames. You get different names depending on, on, where, you're, on where you're at. Here's what we need to understand about the name. This is why this is important. Your name describes you or the relationship you have with the one who gave you the name. Let me say that again. Your name describes you or the relationship you have with the one who gave you the name. Now think about that. So if God looks at you and says, you're my child. If God looks at you and says, you're my friend. If God looks at you and says, you're a conqueror. If God's calling you friend, child, conqueror, what do you think that means? That means that your father is the most powerful person in the universe, most powerful being in the universe. Your father controls the space-time continuum. Your father controls everything, and he says, child, you have no reason to hang your head. You have no reason to be down about your past or let your past define you because your father not only calls you child, but he says, 
friend. He says, friend. What do I know about friendship? Well, I know that friendship, you share things. Jesus even told his disciples, he goes, I call you friends because friends don't keep secrets from one another. Friends work together and, and share things. He goes, I've shared with you. I, I'm sharing with you, Jesus says. You're my friend. And because you're my child and you're my friend, you're a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And so your name defines you. Not your past. Your name. And so Luke calls Matthew Levi, which is his given name. Well, what does Levi mean? What's his given name mean? Well, it means to be joined to. Levi means joined to. It's likely that Matthew or Levi was supposed to work in the temple. It's highly likely that he was supposed to be a rabbi or a priest or a high priest that he was to be working in the temple. Now, you have to understand that the temple of the day, that was the epicenter of everything. That's where uh, spirituality was practiced and, and philosophy was discussed and where economics were discussed. It's where banking happened. It's where laws were made. The temple was the epicenter. And to be a rabbi there or a priest there, one who led all of that, was a high calling. It was a calling you don't take lightly. Why would his parents name him Levi? Well, I believe that there's a few reasons for that. One, again, like we said, you don't name a child unless someone in your family has already named that. We also know that Matthew's family was of the tribe of Levi. You say, Tyson, what is, what is that? What is that? What, why does that even matter? Well, it matters because when God set up the nation of Israel, there were 12 tribes, and each tribe had a responsibility. The tribe of the Levites were responsible for the running of the temple. They were the priests and the rabbis and the high priests. Their responsibility was to help govern the laws, the economy, the philosophy, the spirituality and connectedness to God and all of the other educational pieces. It's highly likely that Levi's parents had a dream for him. We know also that Levi or Matthew was literate in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Literate. I didn't say he could speak. I didn't say he could speak Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. I said he was literate, meaning he could read and write which is something that traditionally is a rabbi's responsibility. And so there's extremely strong possibility that Matthew's parents said one day he will be a high priest or a priest or a rabbi in the temple and he will help lead and guide the nation of Israel. And so we'll call him Levi because he's attached to a dream we have for him as his parents. Levi was supposed to be working in the temple, but when we encounter him in the Bible, where's he at? He is sitting as a tax collector being hated on by his fellow Hebrew nation. 
and being loved kind of by the Roman government only because he's taking money from one group of people and giving it to the Roman Empire. How did he go from this trajectory of being somebody who's going to be in leadership and going to be great and have purpose and, and lead his nation and, and have influence over the philosophy and the laws and the arts and all of this stuff? How did he get from there, up here, to when Jesus comes, he's sitting down here, allowing what is that, whatever has happened to define him? What happened? We don't know. We just flat don't know. The Bible is mute on that point. History is, other writings are mute on that point. We're not sure what happened, but we know that he belonged in the temple. And when Jesus comes along, Jesus is a rabbi. Jesus is a teacher. Jesus' popularity is beginning to swell. And he walks by Matthew's table, or Levi's table, and says, Matthew, follow me. Okay, now you don't get to choose a rabbi and get taught by a rabbi. A rabbi chooses you. Now here's Matthew sitting in his sin, collecting taxes. He's probably, he probably feels like he's let his parents down. He's failed his parents He's failed his grandparents. He's failed all of his family because of his past and what he's chosen to do. He, he is sitting in his sin. He's blown it. Maybe you're listening to me today. And maybe you said, I've blown it. I've gone too far. I, I'm too far gone. There's no hope for me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've, where I've been. You don't know what I've said. Or maybe you're listening to me and go, man, I, I want to get back, but I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know where to start. Well, let me finish the story of Matthew, and I'll tell you where to start. And then I'll help you get started. You see, Jesus walks up and sees Matthew being hated by his family, feeling rejected, feeling pointless, feeling like he has failed his family. And Jesus walks up and goes, Matthew, follow me. Come on. Matthew. Why is that important? Because Matthew means gift of God. Gift of God. Jesus walks up to Levi and says, even you sitting in your mess, feeling rejected, feeling hopeless, feeling like you can't go on, feeling like you've gone too far and you've blown it, and nobody's ever going to look at you the same, and yes, you were supposed to help lead your country, and maybe you feel like you failed. Jesus says it doesn't matter. Even in your pit, you are a gift of God. And God doesn't despise or reject you. Quite the contrary. All of Matthew's life, you got to understand something. And, I, and River people, you will get this. The vast majority, the vast majority of Scripture happens in small towns, in rural farm settings. Sure, we have Jerusalem, but most of the Bible happens in small towns. And you know what happens in small towns? You do one stupid thing or two stupid things and develop a reputation of doing stuff that really isn't. And the word and the gossip spreads. And now you have that stigma 
This is Matthew. This is Matthew. He's been in a small town. The whole town knows that he's blown it. Whatever happened, he's blown it. And Jesus walks up and says, hey, gift of God, come follow me. In Luke 5, 28, Luke goes on in his version of the story, and it says that he left everything, that he left it all. And then he went and he prepared a banquet for Jesus. <laughs> Get this. He prepared a banquet for Jesus and for all of his sinning buddies. All of the people that hung out at the bar on Saturday night, and now they're too tired and maybe too hungover to get up and go to church in the morning. Maybe the people that uh, have just kind of put God off onto the side and ignored God. The people that are perpetual liars. The people that, all of the things that the Bible says is sin. Matthew goes, hey, hey, you're a prostitute. Come on, hang over at my house. Hey, you, you collect taxes. Come hang out with Jesus. Let's all have a great feast and eat and hang out with Jesus. And Jesus is like, oh, yes. He's like, yes, I'll be there, man. I want to hang out with your people. I want to be there. I want to be a part of your crowd, Matthew. And Jesus says the same thing. He goes, I don't, I'm not here to beat you up for your past. I'm not here to condemn you of your past. He goes, I'm here to hang out with you and your peeps. I want to be there. I want to be around you. So why? The Bible says that, that Matthew did this banquet, and Luke says that Levi prepared this banquet. Now, here's, here's the question that we, we have to wrestle with is, why doesn't, why doesn't Matthew record all of this? And, and specifically, why doesn't Matthew record that his name is Levi? Why does Matthew refer to himself as Matthew and not Levi? Because his past doesn't compare to where Jesus wants to take him. And he has decided, Matthew in his gospel, that he's not going to allow his past to define him. Rather, he's going to choose to be defined by where God is calling him to, and his new relationship with Jesus is going to define him, not his old one. And here's why I want to tell you, don't allow your past to define you. And here's another reason that I believe Luke uses Levi and Matthew uses Matthew to talk about Matthew slash Levi. That's this. That Luke, as a physician, is recording details. Luke is someone who has his doctorate degree. He, he, he's a medical physician, and he's recording details. And he says, Levi. And by using the term Levi, Luke is telling his readers that Levi has left a lot behind that he's saying, look, he had all the money, he had all the wealth as a tax collector, he had purpose, he was supposed to be in the temple, but he chose to leave all of that behind. And so in kind of a way, Luke's telling his readers, look at how much this man gave up to follow Jesus. Matthew was wealthy. Let's, let's, not, let's, let's not sidestep that. Matthew was wealthy. And Luke makes a point to say, well, he was Levi, the tax collector, but he left it all behind. Matthew records his name as Matthew because he's not going to allow his past and his mistakes 
and all of the sins that he commits and, and, and does commit and, and the things that he does to separate himself from God, he's not going to allow himself to be defined by that. Instead, he's going to allow himself to be defined by what God calls him, and that is you are a gift from God. And by following a Jewish rabbi, Matthew became the Levite he was destined to be. Let me say that again. By following Jesus, Matthew became the Levite he was destined to be. And so by terming his name Levi, which means attached to or connected to all of these great dreams that his parents probably had for him when he was born, Jesus goes, no, 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 no. I'm going to make you a part of the brotherhood of priests in my name. So Matthew, come follow me because you will help lead and guide a new revolution that will define all of humanity. And we will split, I will split time between B.C. and A.D. And, and my life will define the human race. And I want you to help lead it. And so really, Jesus' calling of Matthew slash Levi was greater than what his parents could have ever dreamed. But Matthew had to go through some things. Matthew had to struggle with things. And the only way that he could rise up from sitting in his sin and sitting in the thing that, defined, that, that he was allowing to define him was to choose to follow Jesus. And that's my question to you today. Do you want to leave your past behind and say, you know what? I'm, I'm letting all of that go. And I want a new name. I want to be part of a new family. I want to rise up from this tax collecting booth that I've been sitting in and wallowing in. And, and maybe you're in a small town. And maybe you were stupid in high school and did some things. And that's defined your relationships in that town. And that's defined you in that town. Jesus would say to you, come follow me. Let's change this thing. If you're here this morning and watching this and, and you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. And then I want you to email me at Tyson at theriverlapel.com. That's Tyson at theriverlapel.com. Or reach out to me on Facebook. And send me a message on Facebook. I want to touch base with you. I'm excited that you can walk out of your mess and be called a new name and definitely surpass anything that you thought was possible in life. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me. I give you my life. I renounce the old way. And right now, I'm turning to you, and I ask you give me a new name. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, with that, I'm going to turn this back over to Lynn. Thank you. All right, let's just close out in prayer, and um, I pray that you have a great week this week. God, we just thank you so much again for today, and I just pray, Lord, that you would um, be in our midst, Father. God, I pray that we would turn to you with everything um, that is troubling us right now. We lay our worries and our concerns at your feet, and we just pray that you would
fill us up to overflowing, Father. We pray that your Holy Spirit would invade our hearts, that you would help us to turn to you in everything, God, that we would put our trust in who you are, Lord. I pray for those who are sick, um, that have the COVID-19. I pray that you would heal them right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for other things that are attacking people right now, whether it's finances or health or um, situations with coworkers or whatever it is. We thank you, God, that you hear our prayers and that you intervene on our behalf. So God, we praise you for what you're gonna do in those situations. God, we love you so much. We give you this week and we just pray that you would fill us up to overflowing, that we might be poured out, that we might be your hands and feet in this world. God, we love you and we praise you in your name. Amen. Have a great week. We love you. 